Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we fielded mailbag questions about a number of compelling Golden State topics. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Always great to hear your voice. This is a, a little bit of a unique podcast, right? Because I think this is the first podcast we've ever done together where you are driving while podcasting, which you know, I'm not I was, sure is the safest thing in the world, but that is what's happening. Uh, to any CHP who may be listening out there, I have no idea what you're talking about, Connor. And, and if you are, in fact, not a member of the CHP, I will not only cop to that, I'll give you a quick warning, man. So I'm not only driving right now, I am driving through my first traffic that I've had since the shelter in place. You know, like one of the upsides to this pandemic is that Bay Area traffic has disappeared. So if you hear like a weird popping noise during this, it's because my head finally exploded from the frustration of being back in Bay Area traffic. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it makes you keeping it interesting. We're at a time in quarantine where uh, I think boredom is really setting in for a lot of people. I think a lot of people are kind of saying screw it with a lot of the shelter-in-place orders just for their own mental health. I'm not saying that's the right thing, but it's understandable. So I appreciate that you're finding a way to keep us entertained, at least. Um, I got my yeah, mind. This is actually going to be our last, my last episode of Warriors Off Court for quite a while because um, this is my final week before I go on my kind of annual off-season hiatus. Anyone who's followed my coverage closely knows I take a good seven, eight weeks off in the off season because I do work, you know, seven day weeks throughout the year. So um, I'm going to be starting that next week. But don't worry, we will be uh, we will be having my colleagues at the Chronicle filling in every week. So we're still going to have episodes of Warriors Off Court. I'm just not going to be the host. Well, you um, so, Bram, I wanted to have you on to kind of take us into my hiatus because you're one of my favorite guests. And I thought this week, since they're not a ton of pressing topics, at least for the Warriors, since they're not uh, they're not going to be in Orlando and they're not uh, drafting for a couple more months at least, you know, not drafting until October, um, that we would just make this a, a mailbag podcast. So I have to call out on Twitter, got a bunch of good questions, and we're just going to jump right into it. I'm fired up for it, but we should clarify. I know that you spend every second of every day during your hiatus just doing research for future stories, right? I mean, like for listeners out there, they need to know really all you're doing is extra work through the next two months. So I, you know, we should put that into the mind. I always, I always feel a little bit of guilt whenever I go on my my annual hiatus, but uh, I honestly don't this year because there is – Literally nothing to write. Um, I've, I've done, I feel like I've hit every note I need to hit. I've, re, I've recapped the season every single player recently. I, you know, feel like I've said everything I need to say about the draft, about free agency, all these things until they actually get closer. So I will be back for my hiatus before the lottery. So um, I will be previewing that. But between now and the lottery, I, I, I don't think that there's a lot that needs to be written or said that hasn't been written or said yet. So I don't I don't feel guilty, which is actually a really good feeling for me. <laughs> well, I feel resentful, but we can you know cover that maybe in one of the listeners' questions. Um, so our first question, uh, this is from a regular on the mailbag, uh, at the NBA Analyst 1. Just how valuable is the top five? If you're in a win-now mode, 
Would you rather take an established star vet or hope that top five pick pans out and is the future face of the franchise? Tons of top picks don't pan out. Is it worth the gamble or more worth it to trade? What are your thoughts? I would need a more complete hypothetical. So this guy's analysis isn't off the money, and I'll I'll admit to you that I've been thinking along the same lines, and the, the two competing thoughts are, on one side, you know, Steph and Clay aren't old, but they're getting older. Their title window is probably closing, and if we wanted to capitalize on this group of talent, a veteran who can immediately contribute might be more valuable than a top five pick, right? But the other side to that is when this window closes, we're going to need to create a new one, and the, what better way to create the type of talent that could lead to future championships than a top five pick? So what I would need to see is what the trade package is to push me one way or the other. You know, if we're talking Antetokounmpo, yes, you know, instantaneously. <laughs> if we're talking, you know, Paul Millsap, no, I go for a, uh, for a top five pick. So I think I need to know who it was. In the blind, I'm probably keeping the top five pick. Yeah, I, I lean toward that as well. I, I'm just not confident that the Warriors are going to get a super compelling offer for that top five pick because there isn't that Zion caliber prospect. There isn't a generational talent. So it is going to be a little bit of a guessing game in that top five, and I'm not sure that any team is in a position where they're going to feel confident enough about anyone in that top five to give the Warriors a ready-made, maybe all-star caliber guy nearing his prime right now, which would obviously be ideal, but I just don't think that's going to happen. And I think that the Warriors have had enough time, and I think that they like a couple guys in that top five enough where they feel like they can find someone who they can bring in and be helpful right away, be a rotation guy from day one, and then at least have a chance to be a franchise guy down the line because, right. you know, you don't get that opportunity very often. You know, the Warriors haven't drafted in the top five since uh, 2002, and um, they haven't had a lottery pick since Harrison Barnes. Um, so this is a special opportunity for them, and so they want to they wanna take advantage of it and hopefully get someone who can take the mantle of being sort of a franchise guy or at least an all-star caliber guy. Uh, by the time that Seth and Clay and Draymond really start to decline in production. I mean, in your opinion, and this is kind of an unfair question, but if you had to value the two draft picks that the Warriors have coming up over the next two years, this year, which we know for sure is a top five pick, and then next year when they've got Minnesota pick, we don't know where the hell that's going to land, but we know that that draft is projected to be a lot deeper. If you had to select one of them, they don't have to, they get to keep them both. But if they had, you had to select one of these two assets, which do you view to be the more valuable? It's hard because we don't know what the pick next year is going to be. Um, yeah. we, we, we know right now that the Warriors have a top five pick in this draft. Number one, it could be five, but they have a top five pick in this draft. I feel confident they're going to be able to get value with that pick. In, in 2021, it is supposed to be a better draft, especially since there's a chance that high school seniors could be allowed to declare for that draft. Which would make which would make it the quote unquote double draft is almost twice as deep in some ways, um, but we don't know how good Minnesota is going to be. I think I don't think Minnesota is going to be a playoff team, but I, I think they can score enough points to be right outside the playoff picture, uh, which would put them late lottery. 
Um, now it's a top ten protected pick, so if if the Warriors could get you know the fourth or fifth pick in that draft, I think that's probably maybe that's arguably an even stronger pick than the number one pick in this draft because I think that draft is going to be that much better. Sure, but if it's late lottery, you know I would probably rather have a top five pick in this draft. So completely depends on what ends up happening with Minnesota. Let the uh, record reflect that I have made it to my destination, man. So our historic first-time Bram driving podcast has come to a close. Uh, You're without great any talking. It's uh, it's a skill I'm sure you pick up in your your profession. <laughs> um, so uh, I appreciate how smooth of a transition that was. You know, it's, it's one of the things I really pride myself on is my ability to drive and talk. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. And you know, prosperity will, uh, will, will forever reflect this. The next question uh, from at Padrino 419 Do you think people are underrating how good the Warriors could be next year? The Lakers don't have a third option better than Wiggins. The Clippers are going to be, in, are going to be the favorites, but they might lose Montrose Harrell. The Rockets are, just have two players. I'll take Steph and Clay in that matchup. So, do you? Do you? What, what are your thoughts? Do you feel like the Warriors are being underrated for next season? What I can tell you is that I have probably unfounded, remarkably high expectations for the team next year. If I had to give you an over/under on wins, probably about fifty-five, and I might be uh, tricked into taking the over. So, I would be surprised if league-wide perception expects that kind of success. And if I'm right on that, then, yeah, I feel like they're absolutely uh, underestimating them. And I feel like one of the big cogs on this is going to be Draymond's performance. And just this week, as I'm sure you saw, Draymond took to Instagram um, and said something along the lines of, we can expect this guy again. And it was a picture of him in that Game 7 loss uh, where he had a triple-double. So if Draymond comes back as even like 85% of championship Draymond Green and Clay is, is 85% of Clay Thompson, yeah, man, I will take Dre, the Splash Brothers, and Wiggins plus a top five pick and championship culture and, and coaching and assume that we can expect success. Yeah, I I personally have had a hard time with this question. I've been asked a lot, you know, what do you project the Warriors being – in the West next season, do you think they have a legitimate shot at contending for a title? And Don't you take my optimism, Connor. Do not cost me my optimism during this, man. You know what I, mean? I, I want to well, be happy at the end of this call. They, they still have a lot of important decisions to make. I mean, this is a really huge offseason for them. I think it's probably the most important offseason that Bob Myers has ever had. So I think it really depends a lot on what they end up doing the next few months. You know, do they end up getting someone with that top pick who can be – a guy right away who could be helpful and be a top six or seven guy in that rotation from day one. Do they, you know, get someone in free agency on that mid-level who can come in and, and be a difference maker? You know, can, can they snag a, a Serge Ibaka or a Marcus Soule? You know, what? who do they get with the traded player exception? You know, do they, do they get like an older aging veteran who can be, you know, a solid rotation guy or do they package it with that top five pick and get someone who's a true Difference maker from day one. I mean, these are these are important questions that could be the difference between them being, you know, in the middle of the playoff line, you know, like a five or six, four, five, six seed in the West, or being a legitimate contender in the West, you know, for that top seed going into the playoffs. So um, those are there's a lot of questions. Also, you, you have questions about 
uh, Steph and Clay's health. Um, you have questions about whether Draymond can really return to peak form and, and whether last season was really just more of a product of circumstance or if he's actually on the decline. Um, so it, there's just so many questions, but I'll say this. I do think that there is a world where the Warriors win the West next season. I do think there's a world where they can win another title next season. Everything would have to go their way, though. You know, they'd have to have no major injuries. They'd have to, uh, you know, really strike gold in, in free agency. They'd have to get the most out of their rookie. Um, you know, they'd have to have a healthy clan staff. And um, I think those are a lot of what is. So when people ask me that question, I tend to say, I feel confident that they're going to be a top four team in the West next year. Um, whether that's the top seed in the West is going to really depend, but I do think that just with a healthy Clay and Steph, that that should be enough to be back in the you know home court advantage conversation in the West. I love it. Um, I was going to stop you because I was afraid that when this was over, I was going to be left with no Letourneau and no optimism for the next eight weeks. But I'll take a top four with the possibility of a championship, man. Let's go. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, the next question is from at Boozy's Daddy, uh, at Boozy's Dad, sorry. Uh, does Andrew Wiggins <laughs> truly fit on a healthy Warriors roster? Best guess, how long will Wiggins be a Warrior? Now, should we I'm start by congratulating him sure. by going Fousey's dad as opposed to at Fousey's daddy? Because at Fousey's daddy, that, that's a tough, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't a tough Twitter handle, from, but no, it's a lot better. Uh, yeah. Let's just, let's just uh, pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, no problem, <laughs> I've moved on. But uh, I, I, I've gotten this type of this a variation of this question a lot, and I – and I think at the root of it, there's like a, a somewhat of a pessimism still from the Warriors fan base about Wiggins, and I, I personally don't understand why. I know, I know that there was it was a pretty small sample size. He only played a dozen games after the trade deadline for the Warriors, but in that sample size, I thought he showed you everything he needed to show you to ease your concerns. I think Absolutely. you know he's not going to be a guy who needs to be on the ball. He's going to be utilized in a much better way than he was utilized in Minnesota. He's going to play to his strengths. He's going to be able to run the floor, throw down dunks, you know, knock down the open jumper, um, set screens, those types of things. And he is good at all those things. And I think when he doesn't have as much of a burden to shoulder offensively, I think he can be an above average defender in this league, as we saw flashes of in his time with the Warriors. You know, he, he held his own against guys like Devin Booker, and um, Jimmy Butler and, and some of the better guards and wings in the league. And, um, you know, he's not Kevin Durant, but I do think he, he fills that hole at the starting small forward position, which was a huge question last season before yep. the trade. So um, I personally think that he is a great fit on the Warriors, and I think that he can – I think he can be a key guy for this team for years and years to come, and I think he could play out his career, or at least through his prime, with the Warriors. I, I don't think he's a guy that the Warriors feel the need to stop. I don't, I mean, if they do end up going after someone like Giannis, he would probably be packaged just for salary reasons, but I don't think that they actively want to get rid of him. I think they're really happy with that trade and they think that that's going to be a really good marriage going forward. Good. I completely agree. Um, when you're looking back at Wiggins and looking forward towards who Wiggins can become, there's one word that sticks out to me, expectations, man. You know, so up until now, when he was in Minnesota, in fact, before Minnesota, I remember when he was in high school in Canada, um, an Ender's game, a nickname, people were comparing him to Kobe, 
I mean, they had all these ridiculous expectations. And in Minnesota, we realized that if you expect him to be a max guy, franchise player, best guy on the court, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be very disappointed. And you're going to develop the kind of reputation that he came to Golden State with. But that's not who we need him to be. We have that guy. We don't need this dude to be Steph. What we need him to be is Harrison Barnes and a super version of it. Now, his contract, you know, isn't the best deal, but everything else, his skill set, what he can bring and what we actually need from him, I think match up perfectly. So I'm excited to have him on the team. Um, I do hope that it stretches into the future. I don't think he's the guy that Steph can hand the tour to, but for as long as that's not our expectation, we're good to go. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, I think that fans need to stop worrying about him. I think until he shows you otherwise, just be happy with that trade and, 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 and count it as the win that it was. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Here, I've got a I've got a random mailbag question for you uh, because I got into an argument about this on uh, on my podcast this week, and I'd love your take. So we, we found out that the snitch hotline is a reality, right? The NBA threw it out there, and now while everyone's in Orlando, if Quinn Cook wants to tell on James Harden because you know he got exposed to something, they can do it. They can uh, they can call the league directly. My question to you is: If you were out there, you're a player. Listen, you're not a superstar, but a rotational guy and you saw somebody violating the bubble, would you call? Like, would you use the snitch hotline? I, I honestly probably wouldn't unless I felt like it had a direct impact on my team. Like, if, I, if, if guys started getting sick and no one, no one had reported or, or understood the reason behind it, you but I know. knew that it was directly related to <laughs> – the fact you that you guys are at the strip club. Going around yeah. and coughing on everyone, <laughs> I would probably say something. Um, but I wouldn't say something unless I felt like it had, was having a direct impact on my team's ability to win. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely respect that. Um, and that was kind of what everyone else told me, that even though we have been remarkably careful during this pandemic, and I am you know, screaming at the top of my lungs, masks, 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 I bet you I would probably fold in the face of social pressure. Like if I was there and I was, you know, with my teammates and I saw people doing things they shouldn't be doing, even if it really bothered me, I bet you I would puss out and not call anybody. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, there's also there's also just peer pressure. You don't want to be known as that guy. That's what I mean. Um, That's exactly. Yeah, uh, it really is a fraternity, and anyone who's in a fraternity in college knows that if you get a bad reputation, you, you never will hear the end of it. So that there's, this stuff is all relevant and in play. It's going to be so fascinating what happens in the bubble because there's just so many things that can go wrong. It's unbelievable. And what? they are going to go wrong. They're already going wrong. And, um, you know, you're going to see the league just put their blinders on and be like, you know what? Yeah, half of the league is 
has the coronavirus and we you know, the Lakers are starting this guy that spent the whole season in the G League. But you know what? We need money. Here we go. <laughs> it's happening it. it's happening right now. We just heard that Jabari Parker or Jabari Parker tested positive and what the blurb I read was tested positive, he will meet the team in Orlando in two weeks. There was nothing in between, you yeah, know, like I mean, there's like there's that, all of these. It's a little bit disturbing because, I mean, three months ago, the entire league shut down because one guy tested positive for coronavirus. There's now, no, does exactly. Right. testing positive for coronavirus, and the league's response is, well, it's all good. We'll it's exactly it. right. You know, and it's like, the money, man. It's the um, it's I, disturbing, I, honestly. And I, I really do wish the league would just wave the white flag and um, not continue the season because I just don't think – it's safe, and I don't think it's the right thing to do, but money talks. And I do not blame any players who do not want to participate. If any player bows out because they just don't feel comfortable with it, I don't think they deserve any flack at all. Um, you know, these people have to look out for their families, look out for themselves. And if the if, they're, if you were in a situation where your boss was putting you in harm's way to do your job and you decided, I don't feel comfortable with that, I'm not going to do that. Of course. You'd already within your rights to do that. And I don't think it's fair for your boss to say, well, you're not being a good employee because you're don't, you're not risking your safety to do this thing I asked you to do. This might be a shock to you because of how well I can speak and drive at the same time, but I have not attended medical school, nor do I have any orthopedic knowledge. But I can tell you that, having watched basketball long enough and know how medicine works, if one of these guys had a strained hamstring or a hurt Achilles or an ankle that was anything but completely solid – Chances are they would prevent them from playing, not just because they weren't capable of playing now, because they were worried about what would happen to them orthopedically going forward. It might shorten their career. I'm also not an epidemiologist, Connor. I don't know a goddamn thing about COVID-19. But you know what? Neither does anybody else, man. And until there has been some kind of research that can tell us definitively one way or another, playing hoop with this in your system, what's its long-term impact? Maybe you can do it now. Maybe they're asymptomatic. But does it shorten their insides? You know, what, what happens to their career down the line? And without that information, the idea that they're just telling these guys, look, just quarantine yourself. You're good to go. When, when, this, when the, the virus is no longer core through your system, get out there. I feel like it's irresponsible, man. It doesn't make sense to me. No, I completely agree with you. Uh, the next question is from Carl Matthew, uh, at Carl Matthew. and. Okay. He's given us a hypothetical situation, which we love hypotheticals here. Let's go. Not a boy, Carl. Uh, the Warriors got the number two pick, and Anthony Edwards is gone. Who do you pick, Avija from Israel or Halliburton? Both fit the system well and can run the second unit. Now, he gives us two options there. I think it's fair to broaden the scope a little bit. Uh, there's there's plenty of other options that they could take there at number two. They could take Lamella Ball. They could take James Wiseman. They could take... Um, they could take Isaac Okoro. They, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of fluidity in that top five. And uh, this is a lot of names. Obi Toppin's another one that they could take. So, um, but I, I do think the reason he brings up Halliburton and Ovia are because those are the names I've mentioned the most when talking about this type of scenario. Um, they're guys that uh, the Warriors are very high on. And I think that those are definitely two guys the Warriors would strongly consider that spot. I, I want Denny Avija to be a baller. I'm a Jew. The guy's from Israel. You know, he plays a position that I think that they could uh, they could really uh, use going forward. 
But when I watch his clips, and this isn't a shot at him, this is like more PTSD for me. I think back to that era when the Euro players first started coming over, and during the uh, the lead up to the draft, we'd watch these highlights that looked like these guys were playing in like a YMCA with eighth graders. And all of Avija's clips feel like that to me. You know, like, I don't see the Euro League this year, which is the second best league in the world, bro. I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you where he should have been playing or whether or not there was better uh, talent for him to go against. I'm sure he played against the best talent that was available. But when I watch those clips, I am not bowled over um, by his competition or what he's doing in it. So I, I just like to see more of him. I want to root from him or for him, but so far he hasn't really fired me up yet. Yeah, I I I like him. Um, I I think that he has a chance to be a very 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 good player in this league. But I also think there's probably just as good of a chance that he's like a Dario Saric type in this league, which is a good NBA player, but it's not necessarily true value in the top yeah. five. Yeah. Um, he's one of those guys who he he's very skilled. He, um, you know, he he sees the floor really well. He does. He looks the part in a lot of ways, but his production hasn't been amazing. And I'm always a little bit wary of guys like that. Um, sure. Now, granted, he's 19 years old and he plays in the second best league in the world. So just the fact that he's getting rotation minutes at that level is impressive. But he's not he's not Luka Doncic, right? He's not he's not winning MVP of that league. He's not dominating at any level. He he finished the season strong, and I know that they're actually returning play this week. So it'll be interesting. We're going to get some more film on him. So it'll be interesting to see how he does, you know, in his final film before before the draft. But um, to me, there's still a couple key questions that would make me a little nervous taking him to the top five. But when you're talking about upside, I think his upside is as high as anyone's, and I think that's why the Warriors are so high on him. But to answer the question, if I have the number two pick in this draft, as I said before, if I have the number one pick in this draft, I'm taking Anthony Edwards and I'm calling it a day. I'm not worrying about it. But if I have anywhere between two and five and Halliburton is available, I'm taking Halliburton. Um, I think he is a guy who has a really high floor and a high ceiling. Uh, he's young. He's only 20 years old. He uh, is very skilled. The thing I really like about him is he is super efficient. He doesn't take bad shots. He shot over – 40% from three this past season. Um, and he can play both the one and two. Um, he's, you know, a great passer, awesome court vision, could, could run the point in the NBA right now. But he could also play off the ball and be more of a catch-and-shoot guy, which gives, you know, on the Warriors, that gives the Warriors a lot more flexibility because obviously, you know, you're going to be having Steph running the point and playing 30-plus minutes a night. But you can also get Halliburton minutes off the ball at that number two spot and be sort of like a pseudo backup to Clay. And Clay hasn't really had a great backup in the NBA so far. And I'm not sure that I feel totally comfortable with Damian Lee getting big minutes next season on a contending team. Um, and I feel like Halliburton could come in from day one and be that guy. Could be like a sixth or seventh man for this team, which, which is great value. So, I, I would put Do you feel like, and and we don't have to tell us what the board is if you know it, but do you feel like as of right now the Warriors have a definitive uh, draft board? 
Like if the draft was tomorrow and they suddenly announced they had the whatever, the third pick, the first pick, the second pick, whatever it is, do they know as things stand today who they want and what order they want them? That was actually a question from uh, at Widda Glizzy. <laughs> that, Boom. So I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. It's my burner um, account. I mean, I'll, I'll just come clean to you now. is that individually, each member of the scouting department and the decision makers, the Bob Myers, the 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 Kirk uh, Lake, the Kent Lake of the uh, the Mike Dunleavy Juniors have all come up with their own uh, their own draft boards, um, but they have not yet convened and and broken down all their draft boards and got it to the point where they have a consensus uh, draft board for okay. for the team. Because obviously, when you enter draft night, you want a big board where we will agree these are our top you know, 100 guys, and it's in this order, and you kind of – you just go off that on draft night. They're not at that point, but they also have tons of time. You know, the draft is until late October. They actually uh, – the draft was supposed to be tonight. We're talking on Thursday. The draft was supposed to be tonight, and we're not going to be having um, – we're not going to be having a lottery for another two months, you know, which, <laughs> like I said earlier, is why I don't feel so bad about taking some time off right now because – I have already written and talked about this draft more than I've written or talked about any draft ever combined. Um, understandably, the Warriors have a top-five pick, and I've never covered a draft where they had better than a 28th pick. But, um, you know, they, they have time. So right now I think they're, they, they, they're, they're stopped watching film, as much film, because uh, they don't want to – you know how it is in these types of situations. If you watch too much film and you you start to second guess yourself and then overanalyze, of course, and, uh, cycle. So my understanding is they all have their top sixty to hundred guys, and they're going to be meeting at some point to, to really iron it out. As a group. If my if my active listening skills are working correctly, what I think I just heard is that in addition to being on the precipice of about a month off, all you've had to cover so far was championship level teams. So, I mean, if I was resentful before, man, maybe if you hear the popping sound now, it's not the traffic. My head exploded from resentment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I have been very fortunate, but I will say that I, my, I'm weird in that my favorite, my favorite uh, event in all sports, and you can ask my, my parents this, it's like this since I was a little kid, I have looked forward to the NBA draft all year, every year <laughs> since I was like eight years old. So I have very much enjoyed being able to go in depth on this draft because I've actually kind of missed that the past few years on the Warriors beat, you know, only having like a week to prepare for the draft after the finals. Um, so that's been fun for me, but now there there is a little bit of saturation overload at a certain point. I think I think we're starting to get there. Um, let's, <laughs> let's finish with this final question. Um before you do, let me just say there's a there's a certain full circle element to what you've just uh, threw out there because for me, Connor, for years and years and years and years, the only thing that mattered during a Warrior season was the draft. So the fact that we are back here now is both a little bit scary, but is also encouraging because I know that we can trust this uh, this front office as opposed to the ones who selected what was it, Mike D and Joe Smith with our last top five picks. So, yeah, we might be in a better place. For sure. For sure. Um, so this final question is from Arrow Dis My Name. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love your Twitter handles. 
Um, the question is, who do the other teams in the league view as the most valuable asset on the Warriors besides the big dogs? So I'm, I'm assuming when he says big dogs, he Steph, means Clay. Uh, Clay, Steph, Draymond. I'm going to throw in Wiggins in there. He's a former rookie of the year, um, and his contract is so enormous. Um, so let's say outside of those four guys, who do you feel like other teams are looking at and thinking, you know what, I'd love to, you know, get him in a trade. You know, let's say we let's say we we package a trade with the top, you know, top five yep. pick, and we want someone else back with that. Who are we trying to go after? I think, ironically, it's a person whose name we don't know yet. I think it is most likely that Minnesota pick, you know, um, because of the double draft possibility, because of how bad Minnesota might be. And from what I can tell, front offices tend to like potential more than they like current actuality. So, I mean, let me put it a different way. If I was a GM and I was reaching into Golden State's coffers, the first piece I would want offered to me is that Minnesota pick. Um, beyond there, I mean, Pascal had a hell of a year. Uh, he's got some real upside. It, this is weird to say given how he started the year, but Marquise Chris probably got his value back to at least baseline. Um, but, no, I'd, I'd say it's the Minnesota pick. Yeah, I, I, you're probably right. I think I think that um, front offices throughout the league really are high on that 2021 draft, and um, that's going to be an enormous asset, which – is another reason why I feel like that trade at the deadline with Minnesota was kind of a coup in a lot of ways for the Warriors because they unloaded someone who wasn't a fit for them in D'Angelo Russell and played absolutely no defense. And they got back Andrew Wiggins, who's a much better fit, um, whatever your personal opinions are of him. I think he's a good fit on the Warriors. And then they get that 2021 pick um, that might end up being the biggest asset right. uh, from that from that trade. But in terms of guys who are actually on the roster right now, I definitely think it's Eric Paschal. Um And it's not just because of how productive he was as a rookie. It's because he is on such an affordable contract. Uh, one of the one of the sneaky good things that the Warriors did last last year was they immediately after the draft they signed Eric Paschal, who was a second round pick, number forty one pick in the draft and oftentimes those guys don't get signed to guaranteed deals they're just invited to training camp to compete for a roster spot they immediately even before summer league signed him to a three-year guaranteed deal at the at the league minimum which is looking really smart right now um, right. because they have him under contract for the next few seasons at a league minimum contract this is a guy who i think if he was a free agent this summer would be getting really good offers and, um, you know, for a team that has over the next three years over $140 million tied up in Clay, Steph, Draymond, and Wiggins, it's incredibly important to have young, affordable pieces on your roster who can provide value on a cheap contract. Um, and so getting someone like Eric Pasco at 41 was incredibly important to what the Warriors want to do long-term because the reality is when you have that much money tied up in four guys, you you need to find value on cheap contracts. Of course. Uh, Bram, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's always a great time, and it was, again, this time. Um, where, where can our listeners 
find your stuff and, and, and listen to your podcast, which, in my opinion, is a must-listen. I appreciate it. Well, first and foremost, I should say I like to spend most of my days just driving around the Bay Area, just speaking while I drive. So, you know, roll down your window. You might catch me that way. But if you don't hear me there, our podcast, Warriors Huddle, uh, you can find us on all locations where podcasts are played. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Uh, you want to reach out to me to let me know I was right, wrong, whatever. Um, our email address is remarkably unprofessional. It's warriorshuddle at gmail. And we're on Twitter, too, which is at Warriors Huddle. And, Connor, it's my pleasure, Matt. Um, real deal. I, I enjoy speaking to anyone who is not my family during this pandemic. But doing this podcast is always crazy fun um, because I listen to it. So participating in it is, uh, is a joy, man. So thanks. Our thanks to Bram Hilsman for joining me on the podcast. It's always a ton of fun chatting Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 